podcast, the podcast for teachers of physics, made by physics teachers. Physics teachers like me, Robbie Griffiths, a sort of physics teacher most of the time, I guess, uh, between years 9 and year 13. And physics teachers like me, Thomas WP, a part-time, A-level only teacher of physics. And let's go on to our new favourite spot. What, what did we do this week? week? We do need a jingle. Any dear listener who has musical taste, uh, please do us a jingle. <laughs> well, apologies, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done this week, Robin? Uh, yes, I mean, this week, um, it's been one of those sort of weird kind of end of term weeks. We've got lots of stuff going on at school, which um, for various reasons I'm not going to go into. Um, so I haven't done a lot in the way of practical work this week. So we've been finishing off the electricity topic with... Um, with year 10, doing all those little bits that always seem to hang around at the end of a topic. I'd be really interested to know how other people deal with those. You know, you always ended up with bits that didn't seem to really fit and you kind of left with. So I was left teaching uh, mains electricity, which is always quite fun. We get them to wire up a plug, which is nice, but they don't really need to wire up a plug for the (laughs) spec. It's just the only practical we can possibly think of doing around the whole idea of mains electrical safety. Do you get them to plug it actually into a device? No, we actually forbid them to do that because we have a piece of trailing wire hanging off it, which obviously if they plugged into a device would be incredibly dangerous. So um, we, we, we don't ask them to do that, no. And also if they got it wrong, it would be really, really bad. I have worked in a school where we had a load of bolts on very short wires and they mm. had, there was a good risk assessment. They had to bring the, the wired plug to me mm. and I had to validate it was right. And yes. then they could put the cover on and plug it in and it was a lovely moment when the light came on and and i'd say that would be a far better way of doing it so maybe we'll we'll do that but the trouble is that who who when was the last time anybody wired a plug i mean yeah all right i'm sure you've done it last week but no but the thing is that nobody does anymore i mean everything's they're all molded plugs these days anyway the chances they may have to change a fuse which is really useful and we do a nice fuse demo about it but other than that yeah i don't know Okay, anything else of note you've done this week? Uh, no, so that's that's pretty much it. And again, like I say, finishing topics with my uh, lovely Year 9 group, finishing topics with them. Uh, my A-level group have just finished gravitational fields. Unfortunately, due to our lack of space shuttle, not many practicals that we can do around that. And again, Linus, dear listener, it's, you might know different. It's so. the same problem I have in teaching nuclear, the lack of a nuclear power station in the school. Shocking. I know. But uh, what have I been doing this week? Uh, well, I'm in a state school, so we're not having end-of-term feeling yet because we've got quite a long way to go. Well, I did a tweet this week about chat gpt because i talked to you and you'd used it and i wanted to give it a while so i tried chat gpt which was interesting uh, i also did my favorite carousel uh, of the year really super fun the inverse square law carousel and i just happened to have a run of four lessons last two one day first two the next day so i <laughs> bolted on to stations that were capacitors so this is basically you, you do a, a station for a whole series of measurements that they take and they have to tell yeah. you whether it's a, an inverse square yeah. relationship yeah we don't have and you couldn't possibly do four square <laughs> stations with ionizing radiation because i have to supervise it quite carefully <laughs> and so i do light sound magnetic field with a paper clip over a magnet very pleased with how i did that one this year got an unbelievably good results probably not for the scope of the podcast but i'll put it in the show notes um and obviously radiation and we did radiation two ways on the two different days i'd used radium 226 through a little block of aluminium and we used americium through with a sheet of paper in front of the 
GM tube results yet to come in. Oh, that was to filter out alpha and beta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- th- I was saying that an old friend of ours, old friend of the podcast, Tim, Tim. bless him of dear memory, he used to use a magnet to get the charged particles to go up and <laughs> Such down. Such a good idea. Uh, and then, of course, you were just left with a gamma in the middle, which is a nice bit of physics in itself, but uh, was, was also a good way of filtering out any unpleasant charged particles that may be sullying your gamma source. As usual, I feel inadequate when talking about Tim's physics. That's such a good idea. So I could have my little horseshoe magnet all schools have put it in front of the... Oh, oh that's so annoying. Well, I will, I will do that next week. I'll show them that. We've we still got time. So that's what I did. And I'll tell you about the ChatGPT because it was, it was interesting. I'm, I've used ChatGPT a lot for programming. It's unbelievably good for simple functions at my sort of level. But I'd tried stuff uh, and hadn't been very impressed. So after talking to you, I thought, how am I going to use ChatGPT and not have the load of checking all the blooming answers? So I asked it to make me 15 questions, numerical questions on resistors in combination suitable for an A-level student and include the answers. I put it in a Word document with the answers and I said to the kids, here is exactly what I've done. Is ChatGPT any good at resistors in combination? And sent them home with these 15 questions. They're all very simple. They only have three resistors in them. How many out of 15, Robin, do you think that ChatGPT got? They were all valid questions, but how many do you think ChatGPT got the right answer? Well, I've heard it's not very good at numerical questions, so probably not many. Go on, how many? It got 11 wrong. Ugh. There you go. And the only ones it got right were three in series. Mm. But I thought that was a good way of doing it because I didn't do any work and the kids was great because they had to do all the calculations and then compare it. So I quite like that. And I then used another one. I asked it to suggest me three practicals to determine uh, what a radiation source was with different barriers and they had to it had to name the barriers and name the radiation and i gave those to the groups again i said can you validate this the upper sixth can you validate this it's terrible really it was really bad yeah so it's funny so i've used it and I, I think when i started using it somebody had told me early doors that it's not very good for calculations it really doesn't work well with that and in, in a funny way you don't need artificial intelligence when you're talking about calculations because you just plug in numbers into equations. It's relatively straightforward to do that. So my problem with it generating questions had never, or my problem with generating questions and worksheets had never been about generating numerical ones. I find loads of examples of those online, TES resources, things like that. You can find those. The problem I'd always found was things like explanation questions, where they're they're really tested on do they genuinely understand what's happening to the current, to the transfer of energy, to whatever it happens to be. So I'd asked um, ChatGPT to do a series of explanation questions in my um, worksheet that I briefed it to do. Did you ask for answers? And yes, I did. I asked it for answers as well. Uh, And I was... I think I had relatively modest expectations and I thought that, okay, maybe it'll come up with some questions with a bit of tweaking I can put in there, but I didn't hold out much hope for the answers. And I asked it for 15 in the hope that I'd end up with 10 that were usable. Uh, and of the 15, three I just binned straight away, either because they weren't related to the spec that we were doing or they were just absolute wrong or absolute garbage. I had to do a fair bit of ev- editing, um, but for me, it's always the difficulty is the blank sheet of paper, getting a thing going, getting a framework. It gave me a framework that I could then work with. And with 10 minutes tweaking, fiddling, faffing, rejigging, making it, if you like, the language that our exam board like, that, that kind of thing, but none of which I would say was a fault with ChatGPT. It was pretty good. Uh, so I'll share what I did 
with you on the show notes. Uh, but I found it okay. I found it good to get me started. Don't take it too seriously. Don't take it for granted. I love the way you got the kids to evaluate it. That's a great idea to do. <laughs> Give it to them and say, you know, is this any good? That's a really, really good use of it. I also asked ChatGP to draw me three resistors in parallel in ASCII text. Will you do that? That's instructive. After this, I thought I'll ask the dear listener. And we had another. We, I think the internet cracked. We had two responses to my Ooh, tweet. Two. Boom. Both friends of the podcast. Both have been on, on the podcast. So Doc Wally, Mark Wally, who is the expert on retention, said he'd used Claude AI, not ChatGPT. And it's pretty good. I've used it for some summarizing tasks. It can produce fabricated references, so I always check. So I went and signed up for Claude AI, and I asked it to set me 15 questions of resistance in parallel. It was much better, much, much better. And it can draw perfect resistance in parallel. So it's a, Claude's better at physics than ChatGPT. And Joe Moore said, I lost interest in it pretty quickly. Whilst I can see it has uses, I was playing with it and found it more of a time sink. And that was that's still my feeling, really. But then she says... To be fair, it came up with some great ideas for Science Week lessons. When prompted, it was much more creative than me. And that goes back to what you're saying. Non-numerical, it's got a tremendous database of, of things it can do. And I, thought, I think for Science Week, you'd have to read it, wouldn't you? And you'd find out and you'd know if they were going to work or not. So that that might be a future for, for AI. Uh, the other thing I asked it to do was to come up with some, some practical activities to investigate uh, uh, heat transfer, I think it was, I was doing at the time. And it came up with some really nice ones. So there were a, a few things that I knew about, but it came up with some ideas that I'd never tried before. Never th- and I thought, oh, yeah, that's good. That gave me a prompt. And it, get, it started me thinking. So I can understand Joe's point that it's a time sink, but I think it does prompt you with ideas that you might not otherwise see. And I think as long as you don't expect it to be a panacea, a miracle cure that's going to write all your worksheets, do all your lesson plans for you, do all that sort of thing, it'll give you a head start. So it'll get you started, give you some ideas. And if you're sitting there, as I often do with these things, thinking crikey what am I going to do it might give you some ideas when you when you're a bit bereft of them yourself yeah I, I think I may have to revisit it and use it in a more targeted way Robin well um, you've inspired me as well actually because the, the idea of the, having the students evaluate stuff that I think is really brilliant because I mean obviously I did the evaluation and worked out and then tweaked and did all that stuff but I think it's a really really nice way of getting them to think is to give them something and say this was produced by AI I know there's errors in there what errors do you think are in there that's a really nice thing to do it did work well they enjoyed it I'm I'm a terrible one for standing at the front and lecturing, and it's been nice to put them in groups. That's why I think that's why I enjoy the the carousel. Um, anything else you've done this week, Robin? So not the one that I've done this week, but it, it, your carousel reminded me of, and we, we've been talking about this because obviously you teach A-level only, so we tend to sort of focus in on the A-level practical side, but there was a GCSE practical that's on my GCSE spec, which is thickness of absorbing material for a radioactive source. And, and mine spec is quite nice and vague on this so you can pick your source but we use gamma and use aluminium sheets to absorb it mainly because we have a nice gamma source and also um, we have a good set of aluminium sheets with different thicknesses that we can use for this so that's the only reason we choose gamma and aluminium there's no proper scientific reason or technical reason why we do it is literally just because that's the equipment we have uh, and then obviously we, we sort of build up thicknesses and you, you're basically looking to get a graph with a nice downward uh, exponential curve because you've got a measure of half thickness that you can do at a level we don't do that at gcse but the idea is they can extrapolate that and they can see you know how much thickness of aluminium they'd need to get the gamma uh, count down to a certain amount i remember making you an excel spreadsheet for that in lockdown which we'll put in the show notes. I wonder if it still exists. wonder if anyone ever used it other than you. I hope you used it. Uh, I'm wondering if you, you say they say you can do anything. Could 
you'd use a light source and sheets of tissue paper over a light sensor, or does it have to be ionising? So they do say it's, it's part of the radioactivity topic, so I think they do expect that you would use um, a radioactive source for it. But, of course, if you're doing that, at GCSE, the teacher has to do the practical because the, the students yeah. can't handle radioactive sources. So a really nice thing would be, and you just maybe think that, that would be a really nice thing to do is perhaps to have a laser light and some pieces of tissue paper. We can measure well, the thickness of the tissue paper. Or even after you've got them to wire a plug and make a lamp, they could use that lamp. For, they could do a double you could a double whammy experiment. It's true. I could ask them to use the... I'm, I'm still shuddering <laughs> at the idea of them wiring up the lamp after some of the wiring attempts I've seen from them with, with a live wire connected to the earth pin and so on and so forth with all of the copper strips. And so anyway, but uh, other than that, yes, yes, I'm sure. But uh, I think, you know, that would be a really nice thing to do. And I think also there's that really lovely accuracy, precision thing that you do when you're trying to measure the thickness of a piece of paper and you say you know i'm going to measure thickness of 100 and divide it but that is a really nice little kind of sideline to that 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 experiment i think would be a nice thing to do with them it always surprised me how slow they are to come to that when you say "Mm, i have one paper clip here how can i get a nice accurate value for the one paper clip and i'm shaking a box and it's like um <laughs> uh. <laughs> well exactly and who would think as you know when you when you uh, in their limited experience when you put something on a mass balance you put one thing on a mass balance and you measure its mass and that's what you do of course you do that's what they do in chemistry that's what they do everywhere that's what you do uh, but the idea of of a nice physics measurement is something that's unmeasurable thickness of a piece of paper how would you measure that or oh, do you precision piece of equipment or no you measure 100 you divide it by 100 fantastic oh i remember something else i did this week so i <laughs> On the Instawebogram, sometimes you can advertise stuff, and very occasionally I actually look at the adverts. And I'd been with my nephew, has a big dent in the back of his car, and I go, how are you going to get that dent out? And someone advert, they listened, don't they? Instagram listens, and there was an advert for a thing. You, it, it's a suction cup with a very lever. You squeeze the lever together, and it makes a suction cup. I thought, fantastic. I went on eBay, found it for half the price of the Instagram thing. Six pounds, bought it. And I, it's amazing. I took it into school and just would to the table picked up the table and to the and said to the upper seat i finished i, I finished gases with them a few weeks ago I said how much force will it take it to get off this table it was brilliant just brilliant it's absolutely true listen we, we're recording this on the third floor and he walked up the outside of the building <laughs> it's like a pound shop tom cruise i tell you <laughs> oh it was, i mean it was just lovely i mean it's a five quid and i've taken home and if i ever have a dent in my car ribbon i can pull it straight out <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right let's stop there um, it's been a pleasure. We're going to go out and, and spend some of our dear listeners' donations. <laughs> Buy us a coffee. Absolutely, coffee. yeah. We've still got two sixpences in a, <laughs> and a button, I think, in the in the bank, piggy bank. But so, but thank you very much, dear listeners, for the the coffees. Uh, if you wish to contact us and suggest something for to be on the podcast, you can email us contact at thephysicsteachingpodcast dot com. Uh, we're on X, formerly known as Twitter, because the BBC do that. So I feel really pro doing that <laughs> at physics tp or Instagram at physics underscore teaching underscore podcast. And where is there a contact form, Robin? I believe there may be a contact form on every single page of the website, the.physicsteachingpodcast.com. There is indeed. So do get in touch with us. We've got an interview coming up with an Einstein fellow, uh, talking to him on Friday. And we also, we're working towards talking to the Ogden Trust about what they're up to. So there's more to come. If you wish to talk about anything else or you've done a fantastic practical with Key Stage 3 or Key Stage 2, please get in touch. We'd love to have you on the podcast. We would indeed. Uh, that will end it there. Thank you for listening, dear listener, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks indeed. See you soon. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening to the Physics Teaching Podcast. The podcast is presented by Robin Griffiths and me, Thomas WP, and produced and edited by me, with Robin doing the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon.